Hello and welcome to our podcast. We're calling it The Hunch because we believe you get the best ideas from people when they're relaxed, when they're with friends. And rather than giving you the corporate line, they give you their best guess, their gut feeling, their hunch. I'm Mark Schmid, and in each episode, I'll be talking to someone who can give us the lowdown on something that will transform their sector, our society, or even our everyday lives. Welcome to The Hunch. In this episode, Tim Simmons joins me to discuss how generative AI is already having an impact on marketing communications and how there'll always be a role for original thought and human creativity. This week, we've done a little bit of online research of 250 working people and asking them whether they think that AI is a threat or an opportunity in relation to their career. Interestingly, over a third of people just aren't sure yet. And so hopefully over the next few minutes when we speak to our special guest today, we'll perhaps give some answers that could get that group thinking and understanding a little bit more about AI and how it relates to marketing and comms. We found that 40% of everyone we spoke to saw it as an opportunity. So they're looking at this in a very positive way. 22% think it's a threat. And we can go into a bit more detail into exactly why that was later on in the show. But right now, I'd like to introduce our very special guest, uh, our resident AI expert at Simmons and Schmid, and my very good friend and business partner, Tim Simmons. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. That's a great introduction. <laughs> That's why I'm here, Tim. Uh, and look, let's go back to basics. Tell us a little bit more about AI, ChatGPT, and all the things we've been reading and hearing about in recent months. So ChatGPT... Is, uh, is essentially a large language model and it allows you to have human-like conversations and, and kind of much more than that you would normally have with a, a traditional chatbot. So it can answer your questions and it can assist you with tasks. So, you know, traditionally with Google, we might do a search and, and get a load of documents back. But ChatGPT, it can do things like composing emails for you, obviously writing essays and articles, but also preparing PowerPoint decks, it can write songs, and it can write pretty good code, actually. So if you've got an idea for an app, you can actually ask ChatGPT to write the app for you. So um, that billion-dollar idea you might have uh, snuck away somewhere but thought you couldn't do it for a lack of coding capability, well, um, here's your opportunity. When talking about ChatGPT, I quite like to ask its own opinion of itself, and I did this in, uh, in Viewer today, and it's not particularly humble. So when I asked it, what it's like it compared itself to a genie that lives in our computers and uh, is capable of working magic through its well of vast knowledge and intelligence so you wouldn't necessarily say that it's uh that it's humble perhaps demonstrating the human trait of ego there well it sounds like it's quite self-aware because it probably worked out that, that our us humans would be looking to trip it up with that that kind of question so that suggests something doesn't it uh and clearly it has an incredible capability and we're just at the start of this but is chat gpt specifically really as smart tim as the hype suggests yeah that's a really good question so you see lots of people posting online they've asked chat gpt to resolve problems from for you know, people getting parking fines rescinded uh writing phd level essays and that gives the the kind of illusion that chat gpt is intelligent and one thing ChatGPT isn't 
is intelligent. It's not capable of original thought. What it is is a, is a an amazing piece of of a tool for plagiarism. Essentially, it doesn't have original ideas, so it's been stocked full of a huge array of documents. You know, a trillion documents according to OpenAI, and it uses that information and its ability to understand how words kind of run in context next to each other to create answers. So. It's kind of like, I'd say it's kind of context aware, but it's certainly not intelligent. It's not capable of original thought. It's very, very good at copying. I think part of the illusion comes from its ability to do what looks like smart stuff. So it's a while ago, I asked it to write a product press release in the manner of Shakespeare. And its first line was something along the lines of, it was the best of days to launch a product. Now that's smart, right? You know, that that's clever. And we think of that and think, oh, that that's really clever. But all it's doing is kind of going through the context of that question and looking for phrases and words from Shakespeare that might work alongside each other within the context of that question. And just because it's been trained on such a vast, vast library of documentation, it's really good at predicting the sequence of words that should come next to each other. So mm-hmm. it is really an illusory tool. It's not smart at all. It's just very, very good at plagiarism. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, throughout our careers and going back further than that, we've had huge innovation, you know, disruption in some ways, and you know, technology-led. Are there any lessons from history that we can rely on or, or perhaps help us see how this might all play out? So, yeah, I, I, I take us back, Mark, to answer that question to, to uh, 1983. And I think a client asked me a similar question just recently. And um, my dad at the time had a, had a graphic design agency, a creative agency, I used to walk into a studio and be fascinated because there was a bunch of people hunched over drawing desks. It was very, very quiet. Uh, There's no music playing. And it was a very, very laborious task to create anything, uh, design materials at that time. So the guys would be uh, hand drawing, cutting out images, pasting them down, and even using Letraset, which is a very kind of limited range of fonts to physically transfer letters onto paper so even the smallest of jobs you know a little flyer took a long long time and then if you imagine all of a sudden the mac comes into the building right and you can type any font you want you can create digital images you can manipulate the size you can move things around you don't have to have a drawing board anymore there's no scalpel to cut things out there's no spray mount right i mean that accelerated the process massively and a really good example i think is laying out a magazine or an annual report you know, typically that that would take my dad's team probably two weeks something like that and you bring a mac into the building all of a sudden that can be done in a few hours right so it's massive massive accelerations taking a very very admin intensive task and digitalizing it and that's kind of what we're going to see i think with the um, evolution of ai particularly in the creative and marketing sector there are a number of tools that can help you really, really accelerate the process. And and certainly, you know, in the kind of work that we do, um, the whole kind of copywriting area in particular, I think ChatGPT can, can be a real kind of um, creative ally for us. Mm-hmm. And in terms of sort of thinking about the wider impact of the Mac, you know, and this is where I think it gives us some lessons for the future when we're looking at AI. Um, there were job losses, you know, notably in in lithograph, which is you know creating printing plates, um, highly highly skilled job back then. Um, but that was again almost overnight digitalized, and and kind of that art was lost um, when the digital file and the PDF and everything else came into play. Um, so there were job losses, but but two, you know, agencies rose really quickly who were kind of 
based around a digital first culture and they grew fast. And I think what you might see with AI is a similar acceleration, both in the way that we do work, but then in the way that companies might grow, who become really adept at, at using AI within the sort of creative sphere. Mm-hmm. So there are obvious applications for customer communications, you know, responding to, to emails from the queries. You already mentioned chat bots and, you know, you hear of people now uh, for quite uh, commoditized writing tasks, such as LinkedIn posts, for example, using AI. But in terms of true creative, going back to your examples of, of how, how the Mac came in and actually supercharged a lot of key creativity while saving time, inevitably saving cost as well. How do you see AI uh, and ChatGBT being used in creative work? Yeah, there's so so there's a couple of big areas. So I think the first one obviously is copywriting, and that's the one that's probably at the moment getting the most attention um, in the mainstream media, less so perhaps in the creative space, but we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. And I, I've used it as a essentially as a creative partner on, partner on a number of jobs. So from you know writing a, an overview of the logistics sector, kind of a, a sort of planning piece for a client talking about the future of logistics. And um, I asked, I queried it about its view on that. And it came back with some kind of okay content, right? I mean, it, it wasn't great. It needed quite a bit of work. Um, I also asked it to work with me on um, some strap lines some company names and emails. Um, and these are kind of, they're, they're a little bit more, I say difficult to write, but there's a bit more in a talent in putting them together. And actually, I, I felt that on those particular pieces of work, um, it came up really short. And I kind of compare its written style at the moment to a, a kind of an excitable graduate, a US graduate, because bear in mind everything at ChatGPT is based on his, his kind of US style and um, and US data sources. Uh, so it's quite often very long sentences. It, quite, it uses the exclamation mark all over the place, which as far as I'm concerned, this is about the biggest no-no you can get in, uh, in professional writing. Lots of awesome. Um, lots of awesome, lots of brilliance. Um, so, you know, I, I think I probably haven't had the experience that you're seeing online with some people saying, oh, it's transformative, it's, it's copywriting, it's brilliant. I don't necessarily see that. And actually, um, I guess I've been in the game a long time, but I can I can spot what is created by ChatGPT at the moment. Now, that might change in future because obviously it is a learning model and it might get better. But there was a good post um, on LinkedIn around the time of Easter from a guy called Tom Morton, creative director at RGA. And he asked ChatGPT to advertise hot cross buns. I think this gives a really good example of like the difference between a talented human and ChatGPT. So just going to read you a couple of the uh, the copy lines that ChatGPT came up with. Get your hot cross buns here, fresh and delicious, exclamation mark. Easter treats just got better with our hot cross buns. Warm up your morning with our hot cross buns. Now, I think all of us can agree there's nothing particularly uh, exciting or creative about that. And let's compare it to a human copywriter for Tesco. It's part of their Easter campaign. Their strapline was go out with all guns, get all sorry, go out with all buns glazing. You know, smart, nice, funny, amusing, and everything that ChatGPT isn't. And I, I think this is That's the, what us humans love. We love having, you know, all our puns blazing, don't we? And you know, this is this is exactly what uh, that Tesco's copywriter did there. Yeah, that example shows the difference of of where human creativity versus the AI is today. Yeah, exactly. You know, as I said, it, it might get better, right? Because people are using ChatGPT a lot more for 
uh, creative style writing and over time you, you'd hope but it would start to pick things up but it um to me it just doesn't quite understand human nuance so the kind of ethereal stuff which makes really good creative stand out uh it doesn't really understand human emotion uh and that is where you can see that it, you know it's a copywriting tool it has its uses but it's certainly a long way from being um the finished article and that's where actually i think uh those that were very positive in the survey we did uh, saw saw the benefit. They saw it being uh, an ally, a supporter, a part of the process rather than actually being able to replicate everything. So we had 45% of those who deemed it as an opportunity in their careers saying that they thought AI would help them do their jobs better. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, you can certainly see that. You know, the, the Octopus CEO came out recently and said that uh, – the, the customer service emails written by AI were better performing than his team. You know, again, I'm slightly surprised about, about that because certainly the the emails I've asked it to write for our clients, uh, essentially sales emails, have been really poor. Um, but you know, it's possible that uh, they're doing lots of iterations of those emails and it is starting to learn how to do them more effectively. That That's my supposition. Um, but beyond copywriting, I think there's a couple of other areas as well that, um, as marketing teams, I think you know should be should be thinking about and considering. So one is the creative process. So the thing to remember about AI is it can crunch through huge, huge volumes of data at speed, right? And that for me is where its kind of biggest uh, advances. So if you think about um, creating a three D world, for example, uh, you know you might be a consumer brand creating a living room. Let, let's use example of IKEA. Um, and in the past, you know, creating that three D environment. Uh, making any changes to it was a you know laborious task, even with kind of high end high end computing power. But now that can be done really really quickly. So you know you could be sat with a client and you could be changing anything in that space, you know, from the curtains, the color of the sofa, you know, even the type of the dog on the sofa. And, and I think this is where um, I see really big benefit for the work we do with clients. So the creation of lookbooks, um, routes, ideas, thoughts. That kind of stuff, I think we can do really, really quickly now. And we can co-create as well with clients. We can be sat with them and working much, much faster. So again, to me, it comes back to um, the whole acceleration of the creative process. The other area to think about is personalization. Now, this at the moment is more in the B2C space than the B2B space, but I think it will come into B2B as well. And this is a really big one, especially for brands who have lots of first-party data. They really understand their consumers. So whereas in the past, an ad was kind of one size fits all, if you have different channels and you have the data, you can now tweak those ads in real time using AI and they produce potentially limitless iterations of them and really personalize the content to individual people, um, you know, providing you have the data insights on them. Um, and I think that is, again, a really, really interesting area for um uh, for, for marketing teams to think about. And if you think about B2B, which is more of the space that we work in, certainly with account-based marketing, you know, if you're doing kind of one-to-many type campaigns, you can definitely get a lot smarter in the way that you tailor ads um, to people so they're more relevant to them. And as a result of that, um, more successful. And things like A-B testing as well. You know, you can do numerous situations and very, very quickly see what's working and what's not. And AI will be able to extrapolate um, you know the kind of what what the elements of the ad that are working um, so over time I think 
optimization of content would be mm. would be a big thing, would mm. be a big thing for AI. And beyond copy, um, when we think more about some of the uh, the visual creative aspects, what what tools should we be looking out for? Yeah, so there's there's quite a few out there at the moment, and um, you know one thing to bear in mind is that you know if you're using SEMrush or if you're using HubSpot. You know, these tools already have AI built in. So you may not even realize that your team is using AI, but but but, but de facto you already are. Um, but there are some um, interesting tools coming out in the last year or so that I think are worth worth looking at from a creative and sort of marketing perspective. So um, there are some really clever tools at the moment doing um, voice input or text input to image generation. So you can basically say, create me a, a stable with a bunch of, you know, Ascot winning horses in, you know, beautiful horses. And it'll it'll be done for you. You know, it, it it's crazy what can be done. And there's some tools like Stable Diffusion, uh, Dali 2, Runway, and Mid Journey, um, that are kind of doing this this kind of work. Um, and it, it's pretty impressive stuff. Um, there are tools to turn photos into line drawings, which can be useful, particularly if you own the photo content. So Vance AI and Night Cafe are worth looking at. And when it comes to creating ads, particularly on social channels, things like Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Ad Creative AI is a smart app. So um, depending on what you kind of input into it, it will actually do the creative for you um, and return uh, the creative based on the platform that you're, you're going for, the audience data that you have and the product that you're selling. And it will give you up to 100 iterations to choose from, get those out into market quickly and then do the A-B testing for you. And again, that's kind of where you can see the real optimization piece uh, coming through. And in terms mm. of websites, there's a whole bunch of tools um, that promise to create personalized journey based on data, you know, based on, on how someone's used your site before. Um, we've been playing around with Dynamic Yield, but there's some new features of Shemrush, SEMrush as well that, um, that I think are, are, quite, are quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's obvious that all of these different areas should be explored. There's huge potential and, and very positive outcomes here. But but what are the watchouts? Yeah, I and and I think you've got to be careful here as a creative because you're seeing lots of stuff on LinkedIn at the moment of people, you know, just to be honest, being really quite defensive. Am I still going to have a job? Is is ChatGP going to finish my career? What's happening? You know, and I just think that's the wrong lens to look at this at the moment. It, it's very very early days. Um, and when you see kind of major disruptions in technology throughout history, uh, they don't they they often don't result in job losses, or if they do, they create job opportunities in other areas. Now, the challenge with with saying the same thing around AI is that um, you know lots of observers are saying that the power of the technology is such that you can't compare it to anything that's been this disruptive in history, but. You know, certainly at the moment, I think it's too early days to say um, that, you know, it it's going to replace creatives. Having said all that, there are some concerns that I have about using AI, and I think marketing teams should be really aware of these. Um, so the first one for me is is really around tone of voice. So ChatGPT does have a tone of voice. Now, you can try and train it to write within your kind of brand style and brand tone. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, I can spot copy that's written by ChatGPT at the moment. Whether I'll be able to in the future or not, I don't know. Um, 
but you know your brand style isn't chat gpt style right and uh you know that that's really important um moving on to sort of more i guess kind of practical concerns and these are big ones for me so anything and i mean anything you share with chat gpt will be ingested and retained by OpenAI. Um, so it's no longer your IP, right? And it could even turn up in searches or responses that, that ChatGPT uses to query. So um, what you don't want your team to be doing is asking it to summarize your product roadmap for 2025, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or putting anything in that, that's in any way yeah. confidential. Um, so that is a huge watch out for me. Copyright, again, massive issue, right? So the tools I mentioned earlier, they should really come with a caveat. And, and that is that they are they are scraping images off the web. Now, um, there is there are some lawsuits going on in the US at the moment about this. I think you need to be super, super careful about using, at the moment, any open platform to generate any creative that you're going to push outside of the business. I just think it's too risky at the moment to, um, to use those tools in that way. Um, but my, my other observation was kind of sort of linked to this is plagiarism. Um, so OpenAI is quite open in saying um, that ChatGPT doesn't cite sources, um, although it claims all generated responses are original. Um, however, researchers at Princeton have raised some serious concerns about content plagiarism. Uh, and again, I think this is something to be really, you know, really thoughtful of, mindful of if you're using ChatGPT for copy that you might be sending outside of your four walls of the business. Um, you don't know where it's come from. And although, you know, they they do claim that it's written originally, I'm not sure. I was doing a piece of work for uh, a client recently who just launched a new product, right? So there wasn't much information out there. Um, and it returned something which sort of, looked quite similar to the content on its website now imagine if remember if your team had done that and it picked up something from competitors website and then you'd used it within um within a piece of copy going outside the business mm -hmm. so again i have kind of um watch outs about that and I, I was a little bit surprised about that one but it managed to return that that um uh that piece of work because um open ai says it hasn't been trained in, beyond 2021 so it, the whole kind of that whole thing just didn't really compute for me, and that's that's I guess my last watch out, which is around accuracy. So, um, so it has only been trained since twenty twenty one, and there have been numerous incidents of people highlighting where um, the model has returned false or inaccurate results. So at the moment, you know, it does feel a bit kind of wild west for me, and uh, I think brand reputation is too important to risk um, kind of creating anything with these tools that you're going to use in a, in a, in a promotion outside of the business. So marketing teams up and down the land across the world are kind of finding their feet with all of this, Tim, what, what is it you suggest that they, they do to ensure they're on the right side and grasping that opportunity? Well, look, I'm sure everyone's ahead of the game already on this. Uh, and uh, I don't want to say anything that's kind of too obvious, but, but there are some obvious things to do, I think. And and the first one is a working party, right? So, um, you know, who from your business needs to be in that? Is it your IT team? Obviously, it's your marketing team. Um, absolutely, you need to have your legal team, um, any creators that are going to use the tools. Uh, you need to put a working party together. You need to think about how you're going to use the tools. And and pretty quickly, you need some user guidelines. So, you know, how are we going to use ChatGPT? Um, 
what information are we willing to share with it? Because you are sharing information with it, you know, don't forget that when you when you put something into it, um, as I said before, you know, that that information is retained by OpenAI. Um, a couple of other things to think about is, you know, how can we make use of our zero or first party data to help get the most from these tools? So you thinking about data integration. And, and I think in terms of um, security of brand and even, you know, security of content, I would start to think about how you can train and create your own models. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. So you can keep it within your own network and then you can also understand or you can also help the model more understand your visual and kind of written brand and tone of voice. So the the kind of results you'll be getting from these models will be much better as a result of that. Um, code of practice, I've I, I kind of touched on already. Um, I think the other thing to to bear in mind is just make sure that when you are using these tools, any images or any data that you're using, you own. So you know, that's going to reduce the chance of any kind of copyright infringement. Hmm. Okay. Well, as we said at the top here, the people we've spoken to, both uh, amongst our clients based, uh, you know, our, our kind of peers and within our our sectors are pretty positive about this, but they have their kind of eyes open. Um, but that piece of research that we did earlier in the week of those 250 uh, people, uh, working people, there was nearly a quarter of respondents who really felt this was a threat. And it's interesting to, to see why more than half of them thought that their industry would need very little human input in the future once AI gets its grip. Uh, just under a third thought their job, their specific job role would disappear. And then a quarter of people, wow, watch out world, they thought that AI would destroy everything and there'll be nothing left. So boy, that's a that's a, a pretty heavy thought uh, to, to, to be left with. So Tim, with all that in mind, and whether or not you and I are going to lose our jobs by by this remains to be seen. What is your hunch for the future of AI and marketing? Yeah, so I, I refer back to a quote that um, Ginny Romerty uh, said a few years ago, she's the former CEO of uh, IBM. And she said, we need to think about AI not as artificial intelligence, but augmented intelligence. And I think that's a really smart quote because kind of what she's hinting out there is that this is a tool that's going to support us I think it's going to help us do our jobs more effectively. As I said earlier, it's going to accelerate a lot of the creative process. You know, and I think at SNS we tend to be optimists, don't we? And um, mm. you know, I kind of feel that that that's where the value of AI is going to be. Um, you know, I think probably up to around eighty percent of what we do in the next couple of years will have an element of automation within it, um, and that automation will be driven by AI. Um, but, you know, it's very much for me around augmenting our team, helping us to work more quickly, um, perhaps working through the creative process, giving us some ideas that we may not have thought about ourselves. And when you think, too, about personalization and optimization, I think overall um, the marketing function will become much more effective in the wake of AI. You know, longer term, it's possible that AI could automatically create content um but you know i do really feel that as far you know at the moment the way it's returning stuff certainly when i'm asking it things it really relaxes really understanding of, of the human condition human emotion um and it's understanding uh you know what what really matters to people 
um, what their kind of emotive links are to the, to the content you're creating. You know, that really separates a truly great work from the rest. And I think at the moment, that's where, uh, you know, humans, for as far as I can see anyway, are going to need to be involved in the creative process. So so my hunch is that, you know, I remain hopeful the next generation of creatives um, will have as much fun as we've had over <laughs> our increasingly very long years in the industry. Well, that's a, that's a very positive note to end on, Tim. Thank you. And yeah, just to add to that, you know, there's a fifth, of everyone we spoke to in our little survey who thought that AI, generative AI, would actually help their career progress faster. So look, lots of positives there, but thank you, Tim, some really good watch outs as well. Like ever, when there's great innovation and great opportunity, you know, there are going to be some winners and, and some losers, and it's important for us and the people we work with and all of you to make sure that you're aware of those steps you can take to make this thing help you get to where you need to quicker and more effectively. So we'll end it there. Thanks for being part of our hunch, Tim. And thank you all for listening. Thank you very much. To further our understanding of how working people are viewing AI, we asked over 200 of you about the opportunity or threat that AI poses to your jobs. We've written up the findings on our blog at simmonsandschmid.com. Thank you for listening. Follow me, Mark Schmid, or our company, Simmons & Schmid, on LinkedIn or Twitter for news of our next episode. <laughs> <laughs>